2: Good morning. It is Tuesday, February the 15th, 2022. Praise be to Jesus. Going to have a great show for you. Dr. Paul Kengor is back on the program today. We're going to be talking about the rise of fascism in America, the cooperation between public and private entities. We're going to have that conversation. Is it the case that fascism is on the rise is it overblown in the media? Is the media covering up for something? I don't know. We're going to ask those questions and a lot more to Dr. Paul Kengor. He is a uh, poli-sci professor at Grove City College, great Catholic author, and uh, we're looking forward to that conversation coming up, so stick around for that. Breaking news this morning. Justin Trudow uh, grants powers in the Emergency Act, never before used in Canada. What will happen? A lot of people are very nervous about this, and so I'm sure... Uh, Rudy will cover that story if we don't get to it in the What's Concerning Us. There's a story I would like to cover. The CDF has been changed. We might cover that. But also, worldwide, the number of Catholics went up in 2020. My mind is blown. How is that even possible amidst all the lockdowns? But you know what's down? Is number of bishops, number of priests, women religious down Men religious up. I don't know. Let's dive into the numbers coming up at 15 past the hour and see if we can better understand that. Of course, the John Durham report is being ignored by most of the mainstream media. Uh, they don't like that story, I suppose. And the embassy in Kiev is closing. So is uh, is is invasion imminent? I don't know. We'll have some of that conversation in this hour and uh, stick around for it. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Hey, good morning, Joe. Yeah. Uh, the Justin Trudeau thing was pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I do want to say that those particular powers haven't been used, but there was a previous version of those oh. that were used in the seventies.
2: I see to control like a nationalist group. So, so it's not quite unprecedented.
3: Not really, mm. but it is in this case. I mean, they're 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 overextending. But it's I guess
2: now he has the powers to like uh, you know cancel their trucker insurance and and um, to tow them out, tow them out, yeah, kick them out of, out of the country, whatever he wants to do, pretty much.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do this when you know the country was on fire, or they were burning churches. Rather,
2: yeah, they didn't bother then. It was no big deal back in <laughs> those good deal. old days. <laughs> <laughs> all of what was last year when that happened. And anyway, speaking of fires, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? And man,
4: it is. In spite of it all. Despite of it all. Despite the fact that uh, Justin Trudeau is definitely mm-hmm. not related to Castro. He's no? definitely not no. his son. <laughs> There's no possibility. <laughs> None I don't know where this rumor is coming from, but Justin Trudeau does not look like Castro. His mother did not go to Cuba and uh-huh. he definitely does not have policies similar to Castro. Yep. Those things are not not a thing. Stop so saying it.
2: All of the images where they do a split screen, half <clears throat> no. of Trudeau, mm-hmm. half of Castro no are true. No way. No, no way. Mm. And hey, speaking Trudeau. of uh, speaking of no way, uh, that Super Bowl viewership, I guess, is world record breaking. Fake news, no <laughs> possibility.
4: That too, I saw that. I was like, they're saying that the Super Bowl was the most viewed Super Bowl ever. Sure, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I know you watch. I don't know a single person who doesn't normally watch that did watch, and I know <laughs> a ton of people who do watch normally. And this mm. is the first year they'd never they did not watch. You
2: watched so. with all of your your uh, your No. there. No. No, you know it's odd not, is not that people
3: it. tune in to watch commercials. That's super <laughs> right. I don't understand that. Why do you want to be advertised? <laughs> Cuz they're the That's most the creative
2: commercials ever. I guess. <laughs> and they they put effort into them. Well, yeah. They're entertaining. Eh. Sure. And I, I just don't like getting advertised here. I didn't watch a single one this year. <laughs> I didn't watch anything. <laughs> single one. I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch anything. I never t- bothered at all whatsoever. But record breaking viewership nonetheless. Allegedly. suppose allegedly. 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 <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Supposed, we we'll ask Paul King Gore if he's watched the game. How about that? <laughs> we'll see idea. what he, we'll see what he says about it. Uh, I know a lot of people are up in arms because of all the celebrities that were at the game. But uh, at any rate, we're going to have a great program. We have a uh, breaking news and story segment coming up here in just one second. Then, of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then at 15 past, we're going to cover some of these What's Concerning Us stories. And then, as I said, Dr. Paul King Gorse coming up at 35 past. Uh, get your car raffle tickets in while you can. The GLA 250 uh, Night Black Mercedes is going away to some lucky Catholic radio listener pretty soon you got about a week or so, so go to grnonline.com for the details. Get your car raffle tickets while you can. You can find all the rules and regulations there as well. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt uh, to also sign up to our email list as well. We have a new content coming out every week, exclusive to the Insiders. Let's pray, let's jump in, and let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember...
3: Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos. And now your Tuesday headlines. The Washington Times reports Justin Trudeau to invoke emergency powers to quell COVID protests. Prime Minister Trudeau will invoke emergency powers to quell the protests that have paralyzed Ottawa and blocked border crossings all over the country's COVID restrictions. Invoking the Emergencies Act would allow the federal government to declare the protests legal and move to clear the blockade of trucks surrounding the capital. Epic Times reports John Durham, Democrats paid to infiltrate Trump White House servers. Special counsel John Durham's team alleges that a tech executive aligned with the Democratic Party was paid to spy on former President Donald Trump and the White House when Trump was president. According to Durham, lawyers for the Clinton campaign allegedly paid a technology executive to infiltrate the servers at the Trump Tower and the White House in order to establish a narrative to tie Trump to the Russian government. In a statement in response to the unsealed court filing, former President Trump said, This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate, and those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. Unquote. Reuters reports Europe's banks fund oil and gas expansion despite IEA warning, report says. European banks are providing billions of dollars of funding to expand oil and gas production despite International Energy Agency's guidance against new facilities in order to slow supposed global warming. An IEA report in May said that there should be no investment in new oil and gas fields in order to have a 50% chance of capping global warming at 1.5 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial average. And The Hill reports Navy engineer pleads guilty in submarine spy case. Jonathan Toby, a Navy engineer, pleaded guilty on Monday to trying to sell classified information on nuclear-powered submarines to a foreign government. Toby was a nuclear engineer for the Navy and was assigned to the Navy Nuclear Propulsion Program. He used his clearance to obtain classified data and sent it to an unspecified foreign government in April of 2020. In February 2021, he began communicating with a person he believed was a representative from said country about selling more data. And then in June, he received a $10,000 crypto payment for more information. He is facing between 12 to 16 years in prison for conspiracy to communicate restricted data. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you.
4: The, The saint of the day is Blessed Jordan of Saxony, one of my favorite saints. Born in 1190, the Dominican preacher Jordan of Saxony was a man to contend with in the Europe of the 13th century. We are told that that mothers would hide their sons when they heard he was coming to town and that universities feared losing their best professors to the pull of his eloquence. We know little of Jordan's life before he came in contact with the famous Dominican Reginald of Orleans, a contemporary of St. Dominic himself. Jordan was a successful young student at the University of Paris, already known for the unembarrassed witness of his holy life. When he first heard Reginald preach and met the Dominicans in Paris, Jordan's spiritual and practical gifts were recognized immediately, and when he had had worn the habit only two months, he was chosen as a delegate to the Dominican General Chapter in Bologna, Italy. The following year, Jordan was elected provincial superior, and when St. Dominic died, Jordan succeeded him as the master general of the entire order. The order was only six years old and it developed rapidly under his leadership. However, growing both in membership and influence throughout Europe, Jordan was able to carry out the dream of St. Dominic, which had only just begun before his death. We are told that he added four new provinces and gained teaching positions for the friars at the University of Paris, and he established the first General House of Studies of the order. Jordan also served as spiritual director to many, and among of which, a young Italian noblewoman named Diana, who became a Dominican nun. In the midst of all this, he found time to write a number of books, including A Life of St. Dominic, whom he knew personally and loved deeply. Men of his day responded by the hundreds to Jordan's zeal for Christ, including St. Albert the Great. Some of them were mere youths, and others established professionals who felt the call of God through Jordan's words and example. They were drawn to a life of holiness by this Dominican with a gift of preaching, who lived what he preached with such obvious joy. It was Jordan who initiated the custom of singing the Salve Regina in procession each night after Compline, to ask Our Lady's protection of the brothers against temptations from the devil. Jordan of Saxony met an untimely death at the age of 47, drowning in an accident which occurred on his return from a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 1237. He died on February 13, 1237. Blessed Jordan
2: of Saxony, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat, and Jesus enjoined them. Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, Twelve! When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede would say, Our Savior teaches them what the meaning of the five and the seven loaves. goes on to say, For if the leaven mentioned above means perverse traditions. Of course, the food with which the people of God are nourished means true doctrine. In other words, we must be careful what we consume in teaching and knowledge and understanding about the faith. We don't want to be corrupted, right? Well, the Venerable Beat also goes on to talk about, and I think it's kind of funny, actually, why these these apostles are so clueless. They just left the feeding of the 7,000. Right, the, the, They just left these, the feeding of the Gentiles with the seven loaves, and they only have one loaf on the boat? Like, really? Are they that clueless? I mean, it's, it's interesting. But it's because they were not concerned. They were more concerned with following the Lord than they were for the care of their own body. And I find that fascinating. The Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out the one loaf, a metaphor for the one holy church. Praise be to God. And yet we must be careful over the leaven that might corrupt that loaf right? Praise be to God. Let's be careful, but let's run some numbers here. I love the symbology Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out. It says, while the symbolism of these numbers is nowhere made explicit, they most likely signify the nations who hear the gospel. The twelve, they are for the Israelites. The seven, they are for the Gentiles. But this reminds us It invokes in our heart and our mind that scene that we just talked about just the other day about the healing of the Syrophoenician woman who came to our Lord, this Gentile, this Goyin dog, as the Israelites would call her, who begged the Lord, creator of heaven and earth, to cast out a demon from her daughter. She came to, to intercede on behalf of her daughter to the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And what did he say? It is not right to give the food for the children to the dogs calling her a dog. And what does she say? Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps from the children's table. And he turned to her and said, because of your faith, you can go. Your daughter is healed, right? And it was sort of like a poke in the eye to the Israelites. You call these people dogs and look at their faith, look at their humility. Well, guess what? The seven loaves represents the crumbs that fall from the table of the Israelites, the children of God, because they are now engrafted into the body of Christ, bringing the whole world together into the one loaf. Let us be careful about the leaven. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Hello, how would you like a chance to
4: win a Mercedes-Benz? What's up with the accent, Dave? Oh, hey, Cecil. Just putting on a posh accent, because this year with the GRN, we're raffling off a pretty... Oh, you mean the 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA
5: 250?
1: That's right. And know. that
5: all listeners need to do to get their tickets is to contact their general manager or visit grnonline.com forward slash raffle, and that all the funds raised go to the GRN. Tickets are only one for $25 or five for 100 Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I took over your spot again,
1: didn't I? Well, it was pie for the best. Carry-o! Can a moral relativist object to God's goodness based on the problem of evil? The answer is no, at least when it comes to moral evil. And here's the reason. You see, moral relativism states no moral truths exist independently of the individual. That's to say, what is right and wrong is relative to what the individual determines. Now, how can a relativist's deviation from his own moral standard be considered morally evil when there's nothing to oblige him to follow his moral standard? The answer is, it can't. But if no moral evil can exist within the mental framework of moral relativism, well then obviously a relativist complaint about the problem of moral evil is useless. So the relativist either has to give up the complaint about the problem of moral evil to keep relativism or give up relativism to keep the complaint about the problem of moral evil. The relativist can't have both. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers,
2: Catholic.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Paul Kengor. He is a poli professor at Grove City College. We've had him on the show many times, talking about communism and a bunch of other topics. He's going to be on today. We're going to talk about the rise of fascism. The cooperation between public and private entities to control narrative and to control... Uh, people's lives. And I think that's at the heart of what we see in the world today with all of the, uh, the, like the trucker rallies. There was huge rallies in Australia, in New Zealand, in Paris over the weekend, in addition to what happened in Canada. And so we're going to have a conversation around all of that with Dr. Paul King Gore coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And the numbers uh, that came out from the 2020 uh, about the Catholic faith, They're kind of mind-boggling to me, to be honest with you. Um, In some ways, I find them strange, so I want to jump into this with you. This is an article out of the Catholic News Agency. The headline says, Number of Catholics worldwide rose by 16 million in 2020. How how is that even possible, given the fact that the world shut its doors in 2020 and left them shut for a long time, uh, to include the highest feast day on the calendar, uh, uh, Easter, which is when a lot of people come into the church. So it it is very strange to me, but here's a little bit of the article. The number of Catholics worldwide increased by an estimated 16 million in 2020 to 1.36 billion, according to statistics released on Friday by the Vatican. The rise was in line with global population growth in the year that the coronavirus pandemic swept the planet, reported Vatican News, the online news portal of the Holy See. Catholics continue to account for 17.7% of the total world population. The figures for 2020, the most recent year where numbers are available, come from the 2022 edition of the Annuario Pontifico, the Pontifical Yearbook, and the 2020 Annuarium Statisticum Ecclesia, Statistical Yearbook of the Church, compiled by the Vatican Central Office of Church Statistics. As in previous years, the Church grew most rapidly in Asia, 1.8%, and Africa, 2.1%, and modestly in Europe, only 0.3%. I would love to have seen a contrast in those numbers to see, okay, how many people became Catholic versus how many people left the Catholic faith? You know, for example, in Ireland, who apparently leave in droves. Uh, Going on to say almost half, 48% of the world's Catholics live in the Americas, with 28% located in South America. So clearly South America is the most Catholic-dense section of our planet today. The numbers of bishops worldwide saw a minute decline from 5364 in 2019 down to 5363 in 2020. So Somewhat of a decline, not much, but a little bit of a decline. So bishops are starting to decline. At the end of 2020, there was a total of 410,219 uh, 410, priests, a decrease of 4,117 compared to 2019. That's a pretty good, uh, huge number. 4,000 priests that are no longer around. That's pretty significant for a lot of people. That's going to have a big impact. Although there was a fall in the number of priests in North America and Europe, there was a significant increase in Africa and Asia, reported Vatican News, which is interesting because uh, I'm talking to a lot of priests from Africa. They tend to have a lot of seminarians. Now, some of the reasons why they have a lot of seminarians uh, is because of persecution and things of that nature. People try to escape poverty and those types of things. Similar results came from Europe You know, there was a lot of priests that entered into seminarian life to escape, you know, other uh, poverty and those types of things. So we're seeing that in Africa right now as well. In 2020, around 40% of the world's priests lived in Europe, 29% in the Americas, 17% in Asia, 12% in Africa, and only 1% in Oceania. You know what's interesting about that number, that round of numbers? So in 2020, the majority of priests lived in Europe. The very place that had the least, most uh, insignificant amount of Catholics coming into the church in 2020. You got the most number of priests and the least result. And yet you go to places that have a lot less uh, priests and have a much bigger result in people coming into the church. Now, I wonder if anybody's analyzing that. I mean, cost-benefit analysis here. I wonder if we might reallocate some of those resources into places where we're getting more bang for our buck, because Europe is not producing. This article goes on to say, The number of Catholics, Catholics per priest worldwide rose from 3245 in 2019 to 3314 in 2020. In Europe, there was an average of 1746 Catholics per priest 2,086 in the Americas, and 5,089 in Africa. Do you see? you got 40% of priests living in Europe, and they're not bringing people into the church in any significant way. And yet in Africa, where they are bringing people into the church, they have less priests, and they have more Catholics per priest. I wonder if we could send some missionaries over back to Africa to help out, to pitch in where the work is getting done, and people are coming into the church. Gee, I wonder... College, you is Europe. Let's let's be team players here. This article goes on to say there was an increase in permanent deacons from 48,000 in 2019, and it's up a little bit in 2020. Uh, The number in Europe, I guess, dipped somewhat for permanent deacons. The number of male religious who are not priests grew worldwide... From 50,295 in 2019 to 50,569 in 2020, with an increase seen in Africa, 1.1 percent, Asia, 2.8 percent, and Europe, 4 percent. Now, that's surprising to me, but a decrease in the Americas and Oceania. So, here's where the gains are in Europe. People are becoming—men are joining religious communities— in Europe, that's a significant number—four percent—as compared to in Africa or in Asia. But in America, and in like you know uh, Guam and in in places like that, Philippines, they're they're not. We're losing. So in America, we are becoming—we have less men in religious life now than we did uh, a year ago, essentially. But in Europe, it's growing. And again, so men is growing in the religious column across the world, except for in America and Oceania, of course. But women are declining. Religious women are declining. The number of women religious fell globally from 630,099 back in 2019 to 619,546 in 2020, a drop of 1.7%. I wonder what it is that religious men is growing for the most part, except for the exceptions I noted but women religious are declining. Why more men and less women? I'm curious. I'd love to know more about that. Um, it doesn't actually give us any reasons for it. It says that uh, there was a rise in Africa, 3.2 percent, and in Asia, alongside a decrease in Europe of negative 4.1 percent. So it's interesting. You got an increase of 4 percent and religious men, but a decrease of 4 percent of religious women in Europe. I mean, that's that's interesting. The Americas are also down, and Oceania is also down. There were 111,855,000 seminarians in 2020 compared to 114,058 in 2019. There was a notable decrease in Europe. Again, another 4% drop in Europe. The Americas down 4%, Asia down 3%, but a rise of 2.8% in Africa. And like, Africa, you're performing. Africa is putting out. I mean, they're really doing, a, a, doing a, a service here. I wonder if we might be able to help them because, you know, part of the problem in Africa is good formation, right? They need solid catechesis and formation. They're obviously putting out and trying to convert uh, people, bring them into Holy Mother Church. There's an opportunity here uh, to send resources their way and to uh, bull, uh, you know, shore them up, to give them more priests, to help them, to give them better formation for their seminarians, which are full right now. So Europe, you're not putting out. Uh, Asia and and Africa are. Latin America, which has the most amount of Catholics per capita, seems to be kind of idling in, in many ways, right? So where's the fire? Just imagine, just imagine if there was a revival effort of a fire for the Catholic faith, for her patrimony, for her tradition in the hearts of Latinos coming from Latin America. Imagine how that would reverberate around the planet. Imagine the good that would come from that. It would be amazing. So, anyway, those are the numbers coming out of this article out of Catholic news agency. Did you hear the Pope has restructured the CDF? Now, this is interesting in some ways, and in other ways, it's kind of boring. But essentially, he's consolidated it down to two sections, and he's added a secretary under the banner of the CDF. and and in, some are saying, like the Pillar, for instance, the Pillar, PillarCatholic.com, in their article, they're saying this is essentially the Pope uh, establishing the status quo. Like, not a whole lot's going to change, is really what the Pillar article was talking about. Uh, whereas in the Register's article of this topic, they did point out this how this might impact uh, the traditional communities. Doing away with Ecclesia Dei putting all of them to include the Anglican Ordinariate under the CDF now, under the discipline. That might have an impact in the future. I'm not sure. Adrian, have you heard anything on this? No, not
4: yet. I haven't. uh, To be honest, I haven't really been paying attention to church news last 72 hours. You're probably more peaceful as a result. It's been nice. It's been nice. I'm not going to lie. But I definitely. All that a, Super Bowl watching has probably yes, affected you. Uh, totally. I have only been watching the Super Bowl and uh, all weekend. All I did was watch the Super uh, Bowl. All, all, the whole weekend. The Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. No, but uh, no, it is it is slightly concerning though because we know the CDF, uh, there's a reputation. I mean, when they first moved the Ecclesia Day communities over to religious life, Um, there was a huge concern because the person in charge Mm. of that, that, that castery is not friendly to the traditional communities. And so the fact that this is happening signals something, especially since that's not really where they should belong. They should belong under religious communities, to be honest, but... That's what the
2: Ecclesia Day was for. Exactly. So, and that's now been done away with. And concerning. everybody, including the Anglican ordinary, is being placed under this. So it ought to be interesting to see what happens. And there was a report out over the weekend that the superior for the uh, SSPX was called to visit the Pope. So we don't know what any of this means. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, according to, like I said, the pillar, they, they think this is more of the status quo than anything, but... I guess uh, we'll find out in the long run. I will update you when we have more information on that. Uh, Here's another article I just want to mention really quickly here as we uh, get ready to go to a break. Uh, U.S. Embassy in Kiev closes amid increased threat of Russian invasion. I have to tell you something, uh, a little bit of a confession here. You know, in trying to wrap my head around the situation in, in Ukraine, we've had guests on talk about this and trying to understand what's going on. I get conflicting messages. Just this morning, I was hearing reporting that there are people in the Ukraine, in the, even in the government, who don't really believe that Russians are ever going to invade, that this is just posturing and it's just theater for the whole world. And, and I hope that's true. To be honest, I hope that is, in fact, true. And yet our embassy is closing. <laughs> you know, and it's very confusing. In fact, when I, uh, you remember over the weekend, uh, President Biden had a, an hour-long phone call with Putin. I mean, it's and then now they're saying it, it's imminent, it's going to happen. And then people in Ukraine were like, "What? What are you getting this? We're not seeing this. I don't understand what you mean." So it's really hard to understand fact from fiction in this story. But closing the embassy is a big deal. So let's continue to pray for peace and for anybody that might be affected. By especially an armed conflict. We'll be right back. your breaking stories. and Dr. Paul Kangor is up next.
1: Between now and February
0: 21st, the GRN is raffling off a 2022 GLA 250 in Midnight Black. And this sweet beauty of a car can be
1: all yours by going to grnonline.com and purchasing five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. All proceeds support Catholic Radio on the GRN. Now that's a deal that's all
0: right, all right, all right.
1: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. The Christian is able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let's share the secret. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, Chesterton.org.
3: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now more headlines. The Blaze reports, The Space Force seeks to use the Metaverse to simulate space missions. The Space Force is preparing to create its own version of the Metaverse to provide its service members with the ability to train in an environment simulating space travel. The Metaverse is an interconnected series of networks featuring an immersive in-person experience via augmented and virtual reality. In the Metaverse, trainees could engineer situations involving orbital satellites. In the real world, this hands-on experience would be extremely expensive and impractical to conduct. Lisa Costa, the Space Force's Chief Technology and Innovation Officer, believes that this technology will enable Space Force Guardians to create scenarios that enable them to continually develop new skills for future space operations. And the Epic Times reports demand shock behind global bottlenecks should ease in months according to the WTO. Global trade bottlenecks are more are more the result of demand spikes and supply chain snags with pressure likely to ease in the coming months. The WTO had thought in October that demand for goods would slow early in 2022. However, that was before the Omicron variant led to curbs on activity. Chief Economist Robert Koopman said consumers had then continued to skew spending towards goods rather than services since they could not or preferred not to dine out or go out on a holiday. And CNBC reports a very scary concept, energy ministers fearful of oil prices surpassing $100 a barrel. Energy ministers representing Egypt and Cyprus on Monday said they were deeply concerned about the potential for oil prices to climb above $100 a barrel. International benchmark Brent crude features soared to a new seven-year high on Monday due to the elevated geopolitical tensions between Russia and Ukraine. The contract was last seen trading at $94.33, down 0.1% for the session after earlier hitting a peak of $96.16 per barrel. And Breitbart reports Texas sues Facebook for using facial recognition to harvest personal information. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit against Facebook this week over the company's use of facial recognition technology in secretly harvesting Texan's most personal information, which Paxton says is in violation of the state's privacy protections. Facebook has faced legal trouble over its facial recognition practice in the past. The company previously settled another lawsuit over the technology for around $650 million. Texas alleges that Facebook's facial recognition system ignored the state's legal requirements for recording users facial features and those were your headline news this morning
2: god love you praise be to god in all things thank you rudy for keeping us up to date dr paul Kengore joins us again he is a poli professor at grove city college and catholic author and uh, we're very grateful to have you back on the program dr paul ken
0: thanks joe how are you
2: praise be to god i am alive and that counts how are you
0: Good, good. I'm alive,
2: too. <laughs> there you go. We're yeah, already starting like the day a, well. <laughs> yes. Praise right, right. be to Jesus. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about fascism. Uh, you know, the, 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 it seems to be one of those uh, words that gets tossed out a lot now by uh, talking heads, commenters everywhere. I love how they try to uh, use the word like fascistic, you know, like they throw these different variations around and they sound so uh, like uh, informed and intelligent. And I I wonder if you might start b- uh, by just defining what is fascism, and then I'm curious, are we actually seeing fascism on the rise in America, Dr. Paul Kangor? Well,
0: that's a good question, Joe. And, and you know, they, they tend, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, they by people on the left, political left, they they want to put fascists on the right and and so by the right they want to try to identify it with conservatives. But but if you kind of scale out that sort of economic spectrum that you know that we saw in policy 101 courses, right? And and you know economic control, government control, fascism is is about government control. And in fact the the kind of prototype for fascists were the Nazis. And and Nazi was, was shorthand for National Socialist German Workers' Party. <laughs> you know, anything with socialist and workers party in the title, you know, sound, sounds like a party that's on the left. And and you know, Hitler and his stormtroopers, they were all about massive government control, not just on on things from literature to music, but also the economy. Um, you know, Hitler had this kind of infamous quote: "You know, inflation. Why do I have to worry about inflation? I have my stormtroopers to take care of inflation." Right. So, so you know, it's it's really it's about big government control and it's it, it Mussolini is the other famous fascist in Italy of course it was Mussolini and the Italians who teamed up with 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 the Japanese and the Germans Nazis in World War II and Mussolini was actually a marxist he was you know he was a marxist a marxist socialist and and socialism according to marxist leninist theory Is the final transitionary step before you get to full-blown communism. So, so that's really where it's coming from. But, but you know, they, people on the political left, progressives, liberals, they, they've succeeded wildly in in tagging people on the right, you know, conservatives with this with this label fascism, and it's one of those terms, you know, frankly, like racism, that that they've wielded and thrown around so recklessly. That it, that it's lost its meaning, and and if and if you know, it, 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 I always tell people on the left the, the way you guys toss these words around. When the real McCoy comes along someday, no one's going to believe you, mm. <laughs> right? You say, well, you know, well, you call you call it him and her and him and her a fascist or racist and everything else. Well, why why should we believe you now? And uh, but it, it, but they they abuse it. They really do abuse the term.
2: I also think about the cooperation between public and private entities, right? Government right. and private corporations uh, are cooperating together. I mean, even in Schindler's List, a movie that I actually, you know, really really liked. Uh, it was clear that he was using that cooperation as a means by which to try to save some of the Jews. But uh, we're seeing here in America, I mean, just this week, the John Durham report came out over the weekend, which should have been a major bombshell. I mean, we're talking about parallels to Watergate here. And it's almost not covered at all in the media, right. let alone all the COVID information uh, that uh, you can't talk on social media. We get labeled and stricken all the time for misdis and malinformation. Now it's a DHS, um, a security threat memo that if you give out misdis and malinformation, you could be reported. I mean, it, it seems like there is a cooperation here between big government and private entities. Dr. Paul Kingord, what say you?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really extraordinary, and, and when I saw the details of the Durham report, and I guess it started with a motion that he filed in, the, in a federal court in D.C. last, last Friday, I thought, uh, wow, this is, this is a, a giant story. Uh, you know, you know, this is what Donald Trump said. He you know, claimed that, that the Hillary Clinton campaign was spying on him at Trump Tower, and, and, it, and it appears to confirm exactly that, and I'll tell you right now, Joe, it's not going to get any coverage in no. the extreme press. Yeah. It, it's just not, and it's one of those deals where I told people back in November 2020 you know, they, they, could, they could have on video you know some union guy somewhere in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia flipping a switch to flip 10 million votes in the 2020 election with a big grin on his face and, and, and it wouldn't make any difference, the CNN wouldn't cover it. I mean even, right. even even if you did find, even if you did find like one hundred percent absolute proof of massive election fraud that flipped the whole thing, they would just ignore it. Yeah. And, and 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 then you would have Google and Twitter and everybody else jumping on you know, anybody that mentioned it'd be labeled misinformation and and that, that would be the end of it. So it, it, it's it's really enormously frustrating and and for, for us as Catholics it's one of those moments where about the only thing we could do is take solace in our faith and and, and just kind of step back and say you know all right you know god it's it's, it's your world right i i don't know i don't know what else i can, what else i can do about this <laughs> i could complain about it i could tell people about it but but this this behemoth mm. of of big tech you know, working with really, you know one one party, one political ideology, um has led to an an enormous censorship and control of information. We've seen it with Covid as well. What about? We're, we're, you know yeah,
2: what about Hershey's? I mean, Hershey's was laying off their employees and citing Pope Francis in their argument to fire their own employees who refused to get vaccinated. I mean we talk about yeah. relying on your faith well many people are and they're losing their job and these private corporations who are now not being pressed by the federal government not being fined not being required by OSHA thanks to the Supreme Court uh and they're still willfully and doing it all on their
6: own
0: Yeah I remember where I was I was in uh, Paso Robles California and we were there visiting um old friends uh, Bill Clark who I Uh, passed away in 2013. I wrote his biography and and his family is still there. And we were struggling with um, how we were going to write a religious appeal for my daughter for for college. She was going back to college in, in late August. And we had laid out by quoting the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith and, and all these different statements about you know, freedom of conscience and how you know, quoting even the bishops on you know, how she as a Catholic cannot be forced to take a vaccine against her will. And we went to a coffee shop, and I pulled up, I think it was National Catholic Register, and I looked at the headline, and it was about a statement from Pope Francis on vaccines. And I read that, and I thought, and I told my wife and my daughter, I said, we're sunk. We're, we're sunk. He, he just absolutely killed us yeah. he, he, he he just he just pulled the rug out from under us he, he what he just said we have, everyone has a moral obligation to get the vaccines you know the, the, this is liberal catholics are going to jump on this they're going to use this to to reject catholic religious appeals in fact the governor of the state of new york kathy Hochul, who who has said i think the last time i did your show joe we talked about her uh, welcoming all the women of Texas yeah. to come to abortion, yeah. to, to come to New York for abortion. She cites Pope Francis for her vaccine mandate.
2: Yeah, hold that thought. Dr. Paul Kingor is our guest, a PoliSci professor at Grove City College, and the author of many great books. Praise be to God. But we're going to have a, a continued con- this conversation on the other side of this very short break. I want to get uh, Dr. King Gore's opinion on Canada and the trucker rally and AOC's comments. All that's next. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
7: joy during Lent? St. Benedict thinks so.
3: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
7: There are two times when St. Benedict uses the word joy in his rule. Believe it or not, they are in the chapter on the observance of Lent. What message is he trying to send us? Since Lent is a preparation for Easter, the first message is that faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to be a source of abiding confidence and joy in our life. No matter what trials we face, we have already overcome them in a certain way in Christ. The second is that fidelity to a life of integrity that corresponds with our faith is the only way to peace and joy in life.
0: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com.
8: O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com
7: We know Lent as a time of special discipline and attention to our Christian life. St. Benedict sees Lent as an opportunity for joy in the Holy Spirit. Do we have that kind of joy in our life?
4: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Bay Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org that's
2: realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Dr. Paul Kengor is our guest, policy professor of Grove City College and uh, author of many books. I loved his book on Karl Marx. It was so good. We did some great interviewing on that last year. And uh, maybe I'll resend that to the CDT Insider list again this week because it was just so good. Praise be to God. But good morning to you again, and welcome back to the show, Doctor Ken Gore.
0: Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it.
2: I want to ask you about uh, if you caught AOC's comments this week. You know, she was uh, she was here in our in our great state, the Republic of Texas, and uh, she was she was bragging about how the state's going to flip blue, which is a distinct possibility, by the way. Uh, that would upset a lot, I would argue. Uh, because there's a lot of effort to do so here but she's also hinting at in the next 10 years she, in her world view she thinks democracy will be dead completely now she blames that on on all kinds of people like republicans and white nationalists and all of that but what do you what do you think about that in AOC's comments do you think that she's just bolstering here or do you think she she is hinting at something that uh we should be paying attention to
0: well well that that you know, that democracy is another one of those words that that they use in in that way in fact, I, I'm right now working on a manuscript on, for Tan Books on Bella Dodd,
9: oh, wow. who was
0: who was the yeah she was the famous ex-communist and and uh, converted to the Catholic faith through Fulton Sheen, and, and she and she said in her Senate testimony in 1953 talking about communists and socialists she said they always use this word democracy. Democracy, democracy, democracy. And, and, and it, uh, Vladimir Lenin used the word democracy. He said, we favor democracy. And he said, what do we mean by democracy? We mean equality. And as Bella Dodd put it, she said, when they talk about democracy, they don't say this, but they mean what they call economic democracy, mm. right? Because America is not, is not a democracy. It's a representative republic. So this is, this is another one of those key phrases, right? It's a, the idea that you could have the founders of the Soviet Union hailing democracy. Well, you know, we, you know, we think of democracy in America. We think of Madison, Jefferson, you know, Washington, Adams, you know, one man, one woman, one vote, freedom of speech, freedom of press. That, that's what they're not. They're, they're talking about equality. Economic democracy. So this idea, you hear things like what she's saying, like, hey, how are they going to end democracy? I, I, I don't get it. Right? What, do they, what does that even mean? What, what, they, you know, they don't really tell you what they mean by it. And remember, her party, she's less a member of the Democratic Party. Then, then she is the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, and, you know, that, which calls itself, correctly so, the largest socialist organization in the United States. So go there and see, see how they define democracy. But, but, but she, and she, she said in her comments about Texas that the key is to unionize the state. And, and she's exactly right. And, and the Democrats learned that, that if they can get mass public sector unionization... You know the the, the, you know, the teachers unions, the um, SEIU Service Employees International Union, um, AFSCME, the American State fe- uh, State Federal municipal county employees union, uh, you know, you know, these are not traditional private sector unions. I, I'm from Pittsburgh, right? Uh, you, we're not really dealing anymore. The typical union guy is not a steel worker, not a coal miner. The typical union person is a teacher mm. or or somebody in, in county or state or federal government. And, and once they can unionize those groups, they become mass mobilization efforts for the Democratic Party. So, so she's if 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 they can if they can unionize as much as possible in a state like Texas, like they did in California, then they do have a good chance of tipping it. Um, I I think really, Joe, the difference here are are Hispanic voters, um, who who are by by faith as Catholics, by culture, by tradition, um, I, I, much more conservative, and they're anti-communists, they're anti-socialists. So I think um, the, the key for Republicans politically is to get those people on the Republican side. And I think they can do it through, if, if they ran for president, people like Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio. Um, but, but, that, but that's a big battle. And, and if Texas becomes a Democratic state, um, the Republicans will never win the presidency ever again. I mean, that'll be, that'll be lights out. And this would be a one-party country yeah. for the next hundred years if that happens.
4: You know, it's funny that you bring that up, uh, Dr. Kingor, because one a couple of weeks ago, I traveled to El Paso uh, from Houston to attend the March for Life in El Paso. And it was, uh, it was a kind of a shock to me because, I mean, it is a very Mexican area. There's, uh, of course, it's literally right across the border. You can look to your left and you see Mexico. And, and, but at the actual March for Life rally, There are almost no uh, there are there are some Mexicans that were there, uh, some Hispanics that were there. But in general, they it was not. uh, And I spoke to a number of the people there and they said, yeah, I mean, a lot of the Mexicans here are pro-life, but they refuse to ever support the Republican Party. They refuse to support the pro-life politicians because they are Democrats. They for some reason, they refuse to move an inch from that position. And it's kind of mind-boggling to me. What what is your analysis of this situation? Like, how is it the case that the Mexican people, especially those who came from uh, different countries, I mean, you see, Cubans are a very different different case. Cubans tend to vote against the Democrat Party, recognizing socialism. But people from usually from Mexico and other places in South America tend to vote Democrat. How is that uh, cohesive?
0: and well, and we and 've seen it for a long time with black Americans too, who, for the longest time and I say this as a political scientist right who who studied these voting trends the the the, the, most, the largest church going demographic in America uh, were black Americans for a long time, and they were the only church going demographic that that voted against their faith politically uh, the, the, so so you typically uh, church attendants, people that attend church, usually vote Republican over Democrat by almost 2 to 1. And the one exception to that were black Americans who, who voted Democrat over Republican like 8 to 2, 9 to 1. So so just, just a complete flip. And, and I think we're seeing that with, with Mexican voters as well and, and also Latino voters generally. And you're right, the one exception are, are definitely... Cuban voters who in Florida, pl- places, places like Florida. And it reminds me, too, It bring this back to unions, I mean, my family, Western Pennsylvania, my grandmother, you know, they were Italian Catholics, and you know, they voted as their union told them to vote, which was for the Democrats. And, and I, remember, I remember we would have these family arguments over politics, and my grandmother would be defending, you know, arguing for Ted Kennedy, Right. Or Bill Clinton. Or, and, 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 and my father and the others would say, I, I, they don't agree with you on anything. Right. <laughs> on anything. And, 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 all, and, all, and she would just get angry and, and just walk into that booth and just, just pull the lever for the D. It's just it's just simply what they did, what they did almost out of blind faith. So so I don't know. It, it, it takes a lot to change that, which is why you, you might need for president somebody in 2024, somebody like a Ted Cruz or a Marco, Marco Rubio, um, not somebody like Donald Trump. You know, Trump did well with Latino voters in, in 2020. It was a, it was a surprise, but, but, um, but you need somebody who can do a lot better. Uh, a lot better than he
3: did Dr. Kengor, I, I remember in 2016 sitting at my kitchen table and and this is when I was <laughs> I was a democrat I sat down and I thought wow uh You know, it looks like looks like Trump's going to get elected. And I had bought into this mainstream media narrative that, you know, there was going to be blood in the streets and there I was going to get lynched tomorrow and all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, And I'm just thinking about the Durham report. And uh, although it's one aspect of private enterprise, you know, how does mainstream media become accountable? You know, looking at the Durham report and you know the 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 uh, accusations of Russian collusion that that cost Americans millions of dollars in in in, in uh, tax dollars uh, to investigate it. How do how does media become accountable in twenty twenty two?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I I really I really don't know. I mean, I, I wish I wish I could give a simple solution, simple answer to this. And and what makes it worse too. Is that if CNN doesn't cover it and MSNBC doesn't cover it, and by cover I don't mean just mentioning it a couple times. Right. I, mean, I, I mean like drilling down and focusing on it, you know, like they would if it was, you know, if it applied to the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 then also what makes it worse is you've got just a giant segment of American voters out there who only watch CNN and MSNBC. Um, who 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 won 't turn on Fox or I mean, I get up in the morning, I check a dozen different websites I check c n n and I check fox <laughs> I, I check both but 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 of you know, uh, uh, most people i 'd say on the other side they, they don 't look at both, so they actually don 't even know about this so so when when their big tech search engine or whatever labels it misinformation they just assume it's misinformation i wrote a piece a couple weeks ago uh, about about natural immunity and the NCAA now recognizing natural immunity for college students. And I got this email from this former Presbyterian pastor accusing me of peddling, quote, dangerous misinformation, unquote. Unbelievable. And he told me, he said, there's not a single study out there that supports what you're saying, that natural, that natural immunity is effective. And, 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 I, and I got angry with him. And, and, and I said, you don't know what you're talking about. And, 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 I, and I sent him, it took me 15 minutes, I, I, I sent him a, a dozen different studies that I had in my in my email box. <laughs> I sent him a bunch of different links, and and, and he didn't respond. Right, but but he he, he actually didn't even know about. Yeah. He, he didn't even know about this. He had no idea, and and so he dug in and took this hostile position and accused me of something, um, you know, not just very uncharitable, but but you know, but it, 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 that's 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 a bad accusation to make against somebody. Um, Somebody who's a writer, right? You're peddling dangerous misinformation. I knew what the next step was, right? He would probably go to my employer at Grove City College and say, your employee is writing columns peddling dangerous misinformation. He didn't even know what he was talking about. Mm. He had no idea. Well, you know, this is the world we're living in.
2: Unfortunately, we are out of time. I wanted to get into asking your opinion about the Trucker Rally, but we are out of time. That music means we got to go. Dr. Paul Kangor, thank you for being on with us today. We always appreciate our conversations with you. Anytime, Joe. God bless you, and God love you. Have a great day, Dr. Kangor. That's going to do it for our number one of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to you too, listener, for hanging out with us for this hour. If you could, and you are willing and able, please share us with a friend. You can text them about our show. You can go to our website, join our email list, and share our social feeds and and interviews. And we're going to put the Dr. Paul Kangor conversation up pretty soon. So go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And by the way, you can also join our private texting list as well grnonline.com forward slash cdt we'll see you in the next hour or right back here tomorrow morning god love you thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
1: and inspired
7: You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA
4: 250 and help drive home the word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN Car Raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com raffle.
6: This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. In the document, Lumen Gentium, the church tells us the family is, so to speak, the
0: domestic church. In it, parents should, by their word and example, be the first preachers of the faith to their children. This worldwide pandemic has made it even more clear that the spiritual responsibility for children rests firmly in the hands of parents.
1: Parents need to
3: create an environment of prayer at home and then teach their children the tools of prayer. If prayer time, with the little ones especially, becomes a wrestling match or playtime, we suggest that you remove items of amusement, ignore distracting behavior from young children, and then be an example to them by turning your own mind and heart to God. If parents and older children have a heartfelt attitude of prayer, they set the right tone and example for the little ones. Remember, our Heavenly Father loves our best efforts to honor Him, and will take our messy offerings and return them with grace and favor.
8: For more ideas on prayer, visit us at
0: MessyFamilyMinute.org.
4: Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, an education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of Truth and Virtue. Undergraduate, graduate and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more.
1: Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired.
6: We
0: love God. We ought to be able to talk
1: about Him.
6: Getting you started on your day. With the
1: latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's
2: your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Tuesday February the 15th, 2022, praise be to Jesus. And Lent is, is coming up. Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself? You know, uh, for the longest time, you I always waited to like the day after Ash Wednesday to kind of figure that out. And now it's like, uh, all right, we got to get ourselves geared up, ready to go. What are we giving up? What are we taking on? All of those questions. I'm wrestling with. I wonder if you are too. We could talk about that in the after show, if you like, in the second half of this hour. But uh, hey, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. What is your plan?
3: My plan is to give up sugar. I'm gonna take out Uh that devilish, delicious thing that yeah. makes my life worth living.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow! Fulton
3: Sheen just turned over uh, in his uh, in his sarcophagus uh, or whatever. He I'm says. an addict. Uh, I need yeah. another hit. You know, I'm always looking for the next sweet. Yeah. yeah. So I need to temper that. You know, and that's something I need to work on. I need to work on temperance. So.
2: Speaking of uh, tempering things, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to
4: be here. Is it? Amen. It is. In spite of it all. In spite of it all. It's going to be here. What are you giving up? You know, I'm thinking about just, you know, going full carnivore Ooh, for Lent, Full carnivore? For the like, entirety of Lent. No veggies? You're giving up veggies? I'm giving up everything except for meat and <laughs> fish. So no, no breaded, breaded <laughs> fish, no breaded catfish. expensive. No deep fried. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, is, that, mm. is this affordable? Mm. Is this possible to even do? And uh, yeah. apparently mm. it's not that expensive as long as you're not eating steak every day. No, I well, what's the chicken, point? chicken. Uh, eggs, yeah. that kind of thing. You're gonna so. be so tired of everybody. It, <laughs> <laughs> probably this it's probably it's probably gonna be miserable. You're gonna be a and, ve- vegetarian afterwards. And and yeah. maybe I doubt it. But uh <laughs> but Fridays, you know, I'd I have to eat fish, but I can't just like go get like your, your fried catfish. It'd have to yeah. be like grilled yeah. salmon or grilled catfish, Ooh, I guess. But yum. you know, it sounds it'd good. Be, be more difficult. It's gonna be yeah. it'll be actually pretty pretty annoying, actually. Bring so, your grill to work. Contemplating it. We'll see what happens.
2: <laughs> get it like an air fryer. I'm thinking about picking up one of those air fryers. Those are, those are great. Are they?
3: Yeah. Check if uh, there's a, like free communities on Facebook. Uh-huh. that give People give stuff away they don't need. Yeah. That's how we got our air fryer.
2: So you got one it for free. It changed our life. It
3: changed your life? Um, I'm not even joking. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm not being sarcastic. Is it's, that good? It's incredible. Maybe, maybe we have to get an air fryer for the work. You could even kick your toaster out and put it in place. Because it's basically a toaster.
2: A toaster. So. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I just breathe on things really warmly. <laughs> That's how I cook my food. I'm just like, saying. Have you uh okay, yeah. Uh, just between us, have you ever tried to warm up your food on your car engine? <laughs> what? Have you not done that? Or That's on amazing. your dashboard with your heater?
3: Does it have like oh. a smoky
2: flavor to it? Oh man. <laughs> uh there there's people who do that who'll cook on their car on their engine block while they're driving down the road. Oh, just eat incredible. It I'd yeah. rather eat it raw. You know. <laughs> I eat
4: it raw. Just get my steak and I eat it raw.
2: Eat my raw eggs. Well, just pr- cook it on the block. Hopefully, uh, dear listener, your Lent won't be that desperate as ours is apparently going to be. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving up coffee. Adrian's giving up vegetables. It's, this is going to be an interesting Lent for sure. Good times. And then uh, Adrian and then Rudy's giving up sugar. So, yikes! Pray for us. We'll be praying for you too, by the way. But uh, we'd love to conversate with you about whatever it is you're giving up or taking on. I want to know what you're taking on. The holy season of Lent as well. That's coming up in the after show in our on our live video streams, which by the way, you can watch right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Don't forget to get your car raffle tickets while you're on the website. You've got just about a week or so left to get in on the uh, Mercedes giveaway, praise be to God. And uh, we're gonna I'm I'm excited to draw the name out and you know announce that live on the radio. It's going to be a lot of fun. Giving away cars is a pretty cool part of the job, and some lucky Catholic Radio listener is going to win this thing. So go to grnonline.com, scroll down so you see the Mercedes, click on that, or better yet, call your local GRN station manager and ask them about how to get your car raffle tickets in time and maybe sell a few before it's too late. That would be a huge help your local GRN radio station. Again, grnonline.com. We're going to jump into the hour. Pray for your needs, dear listener. And of course, at 15 past, we are going to play our game, Fear and Trembling. And so we're going to need a phone call from one of you to be our contestant. So be ready and on standby when I give you the number to make the call. But let's pray first. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome
3: back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story for the day. The Blaze reports carjacker fights with woman, gets into her vehicle. Witness pulls the crook from the driver's seat and pins him to the ground until police arrive. A carjacking witness wasted no time gawking at the crime, or worse, recording video to post on social media. Instead, he decided to get directly involved. Police in Grover Beach, which is about 90 minutes northwest of Santa Barbara in California, responded to a call about a disturbance at the train station just before 6.30 a.m. Sergio Dejaro, a 26-year-old from Azusa, tried to carjack a woman's vehicle, pushing the woman away from her car. However, the woman fought back, trying everything from pushing Dejaro out of the way and even throwing hot coffee at him. Despite the battle, Daharo was able to get into the driver's seat and start the vehicle, and that's when a witness who heard the noise stopped, stepped in to help. Not only did the witness remove Daharo from the car, the daily news said he pinned the would-be carjacker to the ground until police arrived. Unfortunately they weren't able to track down who this man was, but he's a hero. And then Daharo, who was on parole at the time of the incident, was arrested and booked into San Luis Obispo County Jail on charges of attempted carjacking, resisting arrest, and parole violation. His bond was set at $150,000. And that's really good news. God love you.
4: The saint of the day is an amazing Dominican saint, blessed Jordan of Saxony. He was born in 1190. The Dominican preacher Jordan of Saxony was a man to contend with in the Europe of the 13th century. We are told that mothers would hide their sons when they heard he was coming to town. And that universities feared losing their best professors to the pool of his eloquence. We know little of Jordan's life before he came in contact with the famous Dominican Reginald of Orleans, a contemporary of St. Dominic himself. Jordan was a successful young student at the University of Paris, already known for the unembarrassed witness of his holy life. When he first heard Reginald preach and met the Dominicans in Paris, Jordan's spiritual and practical gifts were recognized immediately. And when he had worn the habit only two months, he was chosen as a delegate to the Dominican General Chapter in Bologna, Italy. The following year, Jordan was elected a provincial superior, and when St. Dominic died, Jordan succeeded him as the master general of the entire order. The order was only six years old, and it developed rapidly under his leadership. However, growing both in membership and influence throughout Europe, Jordan was able to carry out the dream, which St. Dominic had only just begun before his death. We are told that he added four new provinces, gained teaching positions for the friars at the University of Paris, and established the first General House of Studies of the Order. Jordan also served as spiritual director to many among them a young Italian noblewoman named Diana de Andalo, who became a Dominican nun. In the midst of all this, he found time to write a number of books, including A Life of St. Dominic, whom he knew personally and loved deeply. Men of his day responded by the hundreds to Jordan's zeal for Christ. Some of them were mere youths and others established professionals who felt the call of God through Jordan's words and example. A famous one is Saint Albert the Great, the teacher of Saint Thomas Aquinas. They were drawn to a life of holiness by this Dominican with a gift of preaching who lived what he preached with such obvious joy. It was Jordan who initiated the custom of singing the Salve Regina in procession each night after Compline, to ask Our Lady's protection of the Brethren against temptations from the devil. Jordan of Saxony met an untimely death at the age of 47, drowning in an accident which occurred on his return from a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 1237. He died February 13, 1237. Blessed Jordan of Saxony, pray for
2: us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 8. Verses 14 through 21. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them when they got into the boat. Jesus enjoined them, Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, Twelve. When I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede said, Or the leaven of the Pharisees is making the decrees of the divine law inferior to the traditions of men, preaching the law in word, attacking it in deed, tempting the Lord, and disbelieving his doctrine and his works. But the leaven of Herod Is adultery, murder, rash, swearing, a pretense of religion, hatred to Christ and his forerunner? Close quote. The Venerable Bede. Pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, one thing is
4: whenever he says here, uh, do you not yet understand or comprehend? I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't. I don't get it. But because what he says here, he says, watch out and guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they conclude among themselves that it was because they had no bread. Here, I'm thinking, what is that? What is he talking about? Why is he? Why is he? They saying it has something to do with having no bread. Quirisal commenting on this passage, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. The leaven is the doctrine of the Pharisees by which they taught their children to say to their parents, Korban as well as other things contrary to the law of God. The leaven of Herod is a doctrine of the Sadducees, for which them Christ had 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 his most recent controversy, as appears in Matthew 16. For Herod, as well as many of the principal people at the time, were Sadducees. They denied the immorality, immortality of the soul and lived as atheists. This is an important point that he makes here. The Sadducees, you know, it's funny. I learned uh, to remember about the Sadducees because they, because they don't believe in the afterlife. They are sad, you see? Uh, so it makes it easier to remember. Uh, so the Sadducees, they denied the immortality of the soul and thus lived as atheists. So even though they believed in God... And even though they still believed in uh, the law that God has given, they were functional atheists because they did not believe that there was an afterlife. And because there's no afterlife, then if I violate the law, then who really cares at the end of the day? I mean, yes, God has asked me to follow the law. Yes, it's true and all. But at the end of the day, who cares if, after I die, I just, I'm just just annihilated? Who cares, right? So Herod lived in adultery and killed John and committed many other crimes, having no fear of God. For although he thought that John had risen again in Christ, the opinion did not arise out of faith, but was wrung out of him by fear. Origen and St. Jerome understand by Levin, the sect of the Herodians who flattered Herod, saying that he was the Messiah. But that referred to Herod of Ascalon, not Herod of of Antipas, as he's shown in Matthew 22. So this is an important thing to note. What is the leaven in which Christ speaks here? He's talking about the errors, the fruits of those who are wicked. And so what do we see today? Today we see the leaven of the people that we should not be following. And if that means that we can't follow a king like Herod, or the leaders of the, the bad priests and bad bishops like the Pharisees, we are obliged to avoid the leaven of the Pharisees and avoid the leaven of Herod and instead cling to Christ who multiplies the loaves and fishes, who multiplies them over and over again. Now, one thing to note from this passage is that he does it two times according to just this passage alone. Who knows how many times he actually ended up multiplying loaves and fishes. But here, our Lord is saying, hey, I did this twice and y'all still not getting this through y'all's heads. And whenever we do it, how y'all get baskets full of uh, of of bread afterwards, and yet y'all still do not understand. So, do we understand? Are we comprehending what our Lord is trying to tell us? Are we following His law?
2: Are we following His leaven? Uh, Let us do that. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, it is time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. Would you, my dear listener, consider being our contestant today? Especially if you've never played. I mean, if it's been a while, you can call back, but we love getting the first-time callers, too. That phone number is ready for you to dial right now, 877 757-9424. It's fun. We like to have a good time in the process and you don't need to know the answers to still win our game. Call right now. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. we we'll right back.
1: Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live.
0: How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world?
1: Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family
0: petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous.
1: Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries.
2: Joe McLean. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do, do me a favor and don't tell anybody about my secrets or my agendas. And if you'll do that, I will share with you one we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you didn't know before. I mean, it's a good thing. Praise be to God. And number two, we like to laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are amazing. They're the best. They laugh with us. They're great sports. We enjoy that. And then, of course, number three, we give out prizes. So it's a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, well, let me explain some things to you. Number one, I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. Number two, we don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know the correct answers. They could win and not know a single correct answer. It's possible. And that's because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence, to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win?
3: Praise God, our game show sponsor this week is Goldberry Scriptorium, who's generously sponsoring us with a Marian Antiphons print set. Your house is gonna sound like a beautiful monastery once you learn the beautiful Marian ballads from this print set. Frame them, gift them, give honor to Our Lady. Katie McGinley designs beautiful devotional aids available both in print and digitally on her Etsy page. Please show her some love and check out her wares at the Goldberry Scriptorium. She also does custom orders. Her website is uh, goldberryscriptorium.etsy.com or follow her on Instagram at goldberryscriptorium.
2: Praise be to God. Thank you very much to our sponsor. We're very grateful to you. Uh, Goldberry Goldberryscriptorium, thank you for your generous gift to give away to one of our listeners. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Philly. Good morning. Praise be to God, Philly. Uh, where are you calling from? Plano, Texas. Plano, Texas. I've it's been a long time since I've been to Plano, Texas. I think St. Anne's was the last place I've been. That's the one with the big dome, right? It
8: is.
2: And where it do is. you but where do you go to church?
8: St. Elizabeth Ann's Seat.
2: Is that the one in Keller?
8: That is the one
2: in Plano, Texas. Oh wow. Huh. I didn't realize there was because oh, one is D- Dallas, the other one's Fort Worth. Well, praise be to God, I just learned something new. Well, good morning to you, felly. We're grateful you're here. Uh, First-time caller, are you familiar with the rules? Do you know how the game is played, sir? Yes, I do. So do you you have any opinions on who might be the trickiest, Rudy or Adrian?
0: Well, uh, Rudy's probably the trickiest. The all-knowing Adrian is the one I usually listen to.
2: Oof, that's dangerous. <laughs> I hope he doesn't throw any curveballs your way today, Philly. We'll have to see. I, however, am on your side, so I'm on your team. I'm here to get you in the cup. Are you ready to play, sir? Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. As is our custom, our tradition here on the on the show, we will start with Rudy first. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, are you sure?
3: i I woke up specifically for this (laughs) for this this is why you live and breathe (laughs) this is your purpose in life
2: (laughs) yikes uh rudy can you tell me whom did the holy lance injure
3: i believe it's whomst and uh that's saint longinus
2: are you like anglican ordinariate there Whomst (laughs) whomst thou i mean Whomst thou did the holy lands injure?
3: Did thou meanst meanest
2: <laughs> so your answer, Saint Longinus? Saint Longinus is your answer. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. The All Knowing, Adrian. The I The All Knowing. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me it's my name? Don't wear it out. Uh, okay. Ooh. I'm gonna write that down. Don't <laughs> wear it The All Knowing. Uh, the, uh, Adrian, can you tell me mm-hmm. whom mm-hmm. did the holy lands
4: injure? Ah. See, I was gonna go. I was gonna go with Lancelot. But instead, I'm going to go with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
2: Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm All right. Say, hey, Philly, here's the deal. The question is, whom did the Holy Lance injure? Uh, Brother Adrian says it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whereas Rudy says it's St. Longinus. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Philly, what say you? Adrian, let's
8: try it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, well, <he's laughs> risky, Dangerous! Risky. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Nailed it good, huh? yeah, 50, 50. We're, we're talking about the spearhead oh. that pierced our Lord's side when he was on the cross. You yes. weren't
3: talking about Lance Armstrong,
2: by the way. Uh, Hitler was really eager to, to obtain the spearhead. By the way, mm. he actually put a team on the job to try to go find that because of the uh, of the, uh, the the traditions that surround the miracles that happen with that yeah. spearhead. Saint Longinus there's, was there's the one uh, who, who pierced. Cool his side, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's
3: some occult uh, things yes, there. Yes, big occult In his things. desire to get yes,
4: this.
2: Yeah, for sure. Alright, you're in the cup. Praise be to God, Philly, you could win now. But let's see if we can't double your chances. I think this next one is super easy. It's pretty hard. No. No. Alright, we're gonna go to Adrian this time. Uh-oh. Uh, Adrian, the all-knowing. That's dangerous. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, who... That's me. Who is the patron saint mm-hmm. of messengers? Yes!
4: The patron saint... Of messengers. Ah, uh, one of the coolest saints. That'd be Saint Hermes. Saint Hermes? Mm hmm. Huh.
3: You mean Hermes?
4: Uh, mm-hmm. and you don't pronounce the H? <laughs> I don't know.
2: Saint Hermes, you say. Hmm, interesting. Hermist? Hermist? Okay. Yeah, man. Uh I'm just gonna kind of go with Hermes. Uh, hey, hey, Rudy. <laughs> yes, sir. Can you tell me who is the patron saint of messengers? one of the very few <laughs> angels that we
3: know their names of. Saint. That's that's Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel? It feels strange to say saint, but because he's an angel, but- Is it Gabriel? But yeah, he's a saint. Or saint is it Gabriel? Gabriel?
2: Saint Gabi. Is it Gabi? Gabi. Okay. Gabi. <laughs> Gabriel. All right, enough, enough. Philly, hey, here's the deal. The question is, who is the patron saint of messengers? Rudy says it's Gabriel, and uh, Adrian says it's Hermes. 15 seconds on the clock, who is right? Who is wrong? Philly, what say you? Rudy!
9: Rudy! <laughs> yeah!
2: That's a good stuff so, right <laughs> Yeah. Have you seen the, that movie, uh, Philly, Rudy? I Yes, I have.
3: Oh, are you asking me? Oh. No,
2: I'm asking Philly if he's seen <laughs> the movie Rudy many times. That's a good film, isn't it? I like that film. I watched it all that long ago. Yeah. I, I thought he
3: die died at the end. I guess not. Never he does mind.
2: not. He does Awkward. not Awkward. He goes on. He goes on. He graduates. He moves on with his life. Praise be to God. All right, uh, Philly, you're in for two. You're, you're, you're swinging pretty good here today, but I'm going to be honest with you. Hardest this next one is pretty easy. Hardest question I've ever had. Uh, no. <laughs> Easily the, the hardest, hardest question hardest ever The hardest question had. ever? Hardest, the hardest question ever Out of ever all had. the hardest questions, this one's the hardest. As of today, yes. I From hardquestions.com. Philly, Philly this one's mm-hmm. easy. This is like a super easy question to It's over. We're going to go back to Rudy this time. Rudy? You're a biblical scholar.
3: I am, actually.
2: Uh, who is the author of... Of the Acts of the Apostles.
3: Well, it's uh, it's disputed. You know, some experts believe mm-hmm. it was uh, one of the apostles. Really? Um, you know. Um, wow. I I, I happen mm-hmm. to think that uh, it was all of them collectively.
2: Wow. They all like pitched in like. They yeah.
3: sat down and they're like, "All right, what are we gonna write?" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> okay. We'll take that part. Yeah, I like what you said there. Okay. 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 Yeah. No, 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 not that one.
2: How can I nuance this sentence? Uh, Exactly. Uh, Paul, help me out here. So all of them collectively. Matthias, get over here. You're going to get in on this too? Yeah. Okay.
3: He's like, but I'm new.
2: Uh Uh-huh. But what about Judas? Did he have any part of that? He was dead. He Uh, was dead. But what Judas am I talking about? There was two. Oh. So why do you assume the worst? Yeah. All right. Speaking of which, let's go to Adrian. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Can you tell me? Who is the author of the
4: Acts of the Apostles? Who was the author of Mm. the Acts of the Apostles? Mm -hmm. Whomst. Mm -hmm. Whomst. Whomst? Whomst Is the author (laughs) of the Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Whomst thou? Hmm. Yes. Well, mm -hmm. it could be a number of people, just like like Rudy said. I'm going to go with St. Luke. Really? Yes. The
2: Saint Luke the the, doctor, Saint Luke. the, the one physician.
4: the one who wrote the Gospel of Saint Luke? Uh, yeah. I yeah, he Star also Wars? wrote he huh. also wrote the Acts of the Apostles. All
2: right, Philly, here we go. Adrian says it was Luke that wrote the Acts of the Apostles, but Adrian says it was all of the disciples, the apostles themselves that pitched in collectively. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong, Philly? What say you? It's
7: a tough one. Mm. I'm going to go with Rudy. <laughs> oh no <laughs>
9: i'm so sorry <laughs>
2: oh. sorry philly i'm i my oh, it's over. I call Bob, philly i feel like i let you down here philly, my friend but in fact it was the uh, it was luke the physician uh, and the companion of paul who wrote the book or the letter or the the Acts of the Apostles, as well as the Gospel of Luke. So we learned something, but you're in for two, Philly. Congratulations. You can still win. God love you, Philly. Thank you for playing our game today, and you have a good day. We're going to put you on hold, though, but uh, we're very grateful you called in today, Philly. Thank you. God love you. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thank you all for hanging out with us and having a laugh with us. We really enjoyed that part. If you can and you are able, hang out with us in the after show when we conversate directly with you about whatever is on your heart, your mind. You can comment, ask questions, whatever you want. Go to our live video feeds Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, LinkedIn. But they're all linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Get your car raffle tickets before it's too late. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining
1: us on Your Catholic Drive Time
0: The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in
2: Corpus Christi, Texas.
5: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the sixth week in an ordinary time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Sing praise to our Creator, O you of Adam's race. God's children by adoption baptized into his grace. Praise the Holy Trinity, undivided unity. Holy God, mighty God, God immortal. Be adored.
6: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
5: And with your spirit.
6: Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty Almighty God God. and and to you, you, my brothers brothers and sisters. sisters. That I, that I have greatly, greatly sinned in my thoughts and in, in my words, in what, what I have done, and what I have done, done in what I, I, have I have failed to do, through, through my, my fault, through my, my fault,
5: through my, my most grievous fault. fault. Therefore, Therefore I ask I the Blessed Mary, Mary Ever Virgin, all, all the angels, angels and saints, and to you, you, my brothers and sisters, and
6: sisters to, to pray, pray for me to the Lord our God. Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life Let us pray. O God who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true, grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling pleasing to you through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever,
5: amen. Amen.
8: A reading from the letter of st. James blessed is he who perseveres in temptation for when he has been proven he will receive the crown of life that he promised to those who love him no one experiencing temptation should say I am being tempted by God for God is not subject to temptation to evil and he himself tempts no one rather Each person is tempted when lured and enticed by his desire. Then desire conceives and brings forth sin. And when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no alteration or shadow caused by change. He will to give us birth by the word of truth, that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The word of the Lord.
5: Thanks be to God.
8: Blessed the man you instruct, O Lord. Blessed, blessed the man, man you, instruct, you instruct, O Lord. Blessed the man whom you instruct, O Lord, whom by your law you teach, giving him rest from evil days. Blessed Blessed the man man you instruct, instruct O Lord. Lord. For the Lord will not cast off his people nor abandon his inheritance, but judgment shall again be with justice and all the upright of heart shall follow it. Blessed the man you instruct, O Lord. When I say, my foot is slipping, your mercy, O Lord, sustains me. When cares abound within me, Your comfort gladdens my soul.
6: Blessed Blessed the man
8: man. you instruct, Instruct, O Lord.
5: Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia.
6: The Lord be with you.
5: And with your spirit.
6: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark.
5: Glory Glory to you, O Lord.
6: The disciples had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them. Watch out. Guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, 12. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, 7. He said to them, Do you still not understand? The Gospel of the Lord.
5: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
6: And speaking about the natural law, St. Thomas Aquinas outlines a number of principles of the natural law, and the first principle is really that desire is the engine of human action. In other words, it's our desires, it's our appetites that make us do anything to begin with and then help move us toward action. So if you think of that, our desire for food, which we experience as hunger is something which causes movement in us to go and get something to eat. Our desire for drink is something which moves us when we're thirsty to go and get a drink from the fridge. Our desire for sleep or a desire for rest encourages us to go to bed and to get some sleep. Everything that we do, we do because we have a desire or movement toward it. St. Thomas also, of course, points out that part of the natural law for we human beings is that these desires would be ordered by reason, that they would be ordered by truth. In other words, it's one thing to experience a desire of hunger, but one also has to use one's intellect and reason to be able to say, well, what is the purpose of eating and what is going to be the best way to achieve the end or the goal, which is ordained in the purpose of eating? In other words, to say, well, the purpose of eating is to be able to provide nourishment for the body. And, of course, it's nice if the food tastes good as well, but the primary purpose is for nourishment. If one, every time they feel thirsty, runs to the fridge for a can of Coca-Cola, uh, they may enjoy a little bit of the sweetness of it, but ultimately it's not going to be doing very good in terms of providing for their thirst and assisting them that way to provide Uh, water for their body. In other words all of the desires that we have have to be ordered by reason and they have to be ordered by truth. Today's first reading we hear Saint James talking to us a lot about temptation and temptation really is a kind of inclination or desire towards something which is disordered. Sometimes in the spiritual life we use the fancy word concupiscence to speak about temptation it really is something which is a consequence of our original sin that we were born with concupiscence that we have a inclination within us that sometimes tends toward what is disordered and as a result we have to fight to overcome it we have to make sure that we form our minds according to the truth that natural reason can provide and that faith provides through jesus christ and that we be motivated by love in our action And with the help of God's grace, we can overcome this disordered desire to things which ultimately are not good for us. All of this is, I think, particularly important to the world that we live in today because in many ways we could say that a lot of what ails our society is a kind of denial of original sin to begin with and a denial that a desire for disorder actually even exists within us. It's kind of interesting, once upon a time, uh, the great Catholic writer G.K. Chesterton from the early part of the 20th century said, there is one dogma that every Catholic should believe, and that is the dogma, or sorry, every person should believe, not just Catholics, but every person should believe, and he said that is the dogma of original sin, that each of us in a way understands or can experience from within that we have a fallen nature that tends sometimes to doing what we know we shouldn't do and to not being able to avoid what we ought to be able to avoid. And while of course in principle I would agree with him that it is the one dogma that everyone should accept that we should all be able to look at ourselves and say hey there's something not perfectly right and perfectly ordered within myself and therefore I need to work at it. But sadly in the world that we live in today we notice that there precisely is a kind of denial of original sin and a denial of even the possibility of having disordered inclinations within us, which ultimately winds up resulting in a kind of canonization of desire to say, if I feel within me the desire to do this because it's coming from me, it must be good and therefore I must and I should follow through with it. And this is ultimately a great problem because if we deny the fact that temptation exists, then we really have the great problem to say, you know, the problem is not actually temptation in itself. The problem is not even falling into temptation because of course we know we can ask for forgiveness and the remedy. But the great problem is the denial of temptation. Because if we deny that there is such a thing as a disordered desire within us, then ultimately it can lead to the acceptance of chaos or the acceptance of disorder as being absolutely acceptable and good. Suppose it would be a little bit like if you had a completely disastrous and messy house. If you were to go and declare it clean, well, you're not going to do anything to clean your house, but it doesn't change the fact that your house is still going to be a mess. I think in many ways when we look in particular at the camp or the field of human sexuality, the dignity of human sexuality, we can see kind of very concretely how some of these principles play out where the refusal to accept that there is such a thing as a disordered sexual desire results in the canonization or the approval of any kind of expression of sexual desire provided that it comes from within me and provided that it comes from me. And again, unfortunately, the way life is supposed to work is that we are able to look at a particular human action and say, what is the reasonable purpose for which this action was ordained? And in the case of human sexuality, at least in my opinion, in the opinion of the Catholic Church, it is very reasonable to say the purpose of the conjugal act is a communion between a man and a woman, which is complementarity, complementary by definition, and that it would be ordered toward the procreation of life. That this is the normal way that human life is propagated. This is sort of the reasonable expression of the purpose of the conjugal act. This is what the ordered purpose of the conjugal act is. And of course, we human beings experience temptation in all sorts of different ways. But what St. James tells us today is he says, be careful that your temptation does not overcome you, because desire can conceive and bring forth sin, and when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. In other words, the consequence of our human action and the fight against temptation is a very real part of the spiritual life that we all should be aware of and that we should all strive to overcome. And so my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that all of our desires that we experience in life would be ordered toward truth, that they would be ordered toward love, and that when we experience temptation or the desire for something disordered, that we would always pray to God for the grace and the strength to be able to overcome. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all bishops and government leaders, that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ and receive consolation in their faith. We pray to the Lord lord hear our prayer we pray for those joining us online by radio and for all those enrolled in the salt mass association and for those who have asked for our prayers we pray to the lord lord hear our prayer and for those intentions that we hold in our heart we pray to the lord lord hear our prayer merciful father we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through christ our lord
5: amen O worship the King, O glorious above. O gratefully sing his power and his love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, Pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of his might, O sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, his chariots of wrath the deep thunder-clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. The earth with its store of wonders untold. Almighty, Thy power, that founded of old, has established it fast by a changeless decree, and round it has cast like a mantle the sea.
6: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
5: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, for the praise and glory of His name. For our good and good of all his holy church.
6: It is this oblation, O Lord, we pray, cleanse and renew us. And may it become, for those who do your will, the source of eternal reward. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you.
5: And with your
6: spirit. Lift up your hearts.
5: We lift them up to the Lord.
6: his resurrection we confess with living faith and his coming in glory we await with unwavering hope and so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim
5: sanctus 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 Dominus Deus Sabaot
9: Plenisum
5: Celi Terra Gloria Tua
9: Hosanna
5: in excelsis
6: Benedictus
5: qui venit in nomine Domini Hosanna in excelsis
6: all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Precepi salutari vis moniti, et divina <speaking> institutione formati, <world> audemus indicere paterno stell. Quia sinceris sancti
5: Adveniat Vainum Tuum,
8: Fiat Voluntas tua.
5: Secundum in Celo et in Terra,
6: Panem nostrum Coditianum,
5: Da nobis hodie, Et dimite nobis debita nostra,
6: Sicud et nos
5: debitoribus
6: nostris, et sed libera nos Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
5: An you stay, qui tollis pega tamunim, miserere no obis. An you stay, qui tollis pega tamunim,
6: but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
8: An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament.
5: Masked by these bare shadows, shape and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart. Lost, all lost in wonder, at the God thou art. Seeing, touching, tasting, are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing that shall be believed? What God's Son has told me, take for truth, I do. Truth, himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true.
6: Let us pray. <clears throat> Having fed upon these heavenly delights, we pray, O Lord, that we may always long for that food by which we truly live, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you.
5: And with your spirit.
6: May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.
5: Thanks be to God. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons Blessed Trinity Holy, holy, holy All the saints adore Thee Casting down their golden crowns Around the glassy sea Cherubim
3: From every
5: thought of suicide and abortion,
3: we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.
5: From every form of sinful sexuality, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.